0: All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get started with a prayer and then uh, we'll get into our discussion this morning. We want to thank you all for coming out today and um, just uh, going through this journey with us and um, I'll go ahead and open with a prayer. Dear Father, just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this day, Father. We just ask that um, minds and hearts will be open, that um, we'll all be able to receive and learn something, Father. We just thank you for this venue. We thank you for this time and... um, We thank you for um, each person, including ourselves, that are going to share and open up this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay. So, um, before I get started, I just wanted to go through uh, the goals for the class um, again. And those goals are to love first, just like Don McGoughlin says, love first. Um, Practice love, respect, and empathy. (laughs) Listen to to learn and understand, not to reply. Don't be afraid to ask questions and have grace with one another. Praise God in all that we do. I think that's probably the most important. Okay. Um, could I get a volunteer to read the scripture from Matthew twenty-five thirty-five? All right. All oh, right, yeah, it's right there. Yeah. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. And then we've got a second one. Could I get somebody else to read? Hebrews 13:2 uh,
1: Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained
0: angels without knowing them. Okay. And our last scripture reading is out of Leviticus 19.34. Can I get another volunteer? All right. the stranger who resides
2: with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, you were
0: aliens in the land of Egypt. Okay. All right.
3: Okay, so we're going to start with the question of the day. How, how do we say, Hispanics or Latinos? <laughs> Any guesses?
2: What do you say, Hispanics or Latinos? I would say Latina.
3: Latina? Uh uh-huh. uh-huh. For me, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or how would you refer to these people on the board?
3: Hispanics. More from, yeah, from Spain. More from Latin America. <laughs> you're close. <laughs> you're close. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to learn some. um. Uh, information about that so we have the difference between the terms Hispanics and Latinos. Hispanic is basically to refer to the group of people that speak Spanish as a native language and uh, it's more as a cultural element uh, that describes this group of people. The Latinos or Latinas uh, is referred to the geography of where the people come from and this is basically from the countries in Latin America which are from Mexico down to the uh, south Cone of America, of the continent of America. And the people, the Latinos or Hispanics can be from any race. So if you go down to Guatemala, you're gonna find uh, white people, black people, uh, Asian people, and we are all Latinos Because we were born in Guatemala and we were born um, speaking Spanish, although some of them may speak uh, other languages as well and the native people in Guatemala may speak different one of the 24 different languages that we have there in our country so <laughs> yes we are all Latinos and these two terms are usually used here in the United States for the people that come from this country and live here or reside here so if you go to any other Latin country or Spain you will never hear anyone saying, oh I am a Latino you will always listen to people saying like, I'm a Guatemalan, I'm a Peruvian, I'm an Ecuadorian. So we we usually don't use any of these terms in any of our countries. It's mainly, these terms are mainly used here in the United States to refer to this group of people that are residing here or are <coughs> descendants of people uh, that have uh, somehow moved here. So with that in mind, I would refer to myself like I am a Guatemalan living in the United States of America. I have mixed races mixed races, I speak Spanish and I don't like spicy hot food. <laughs> <laughs> I am saying all this because many times I am like considered a Mexican just for the way I look or I speak. So I'm not a Mexican. Uh, I don't speak Mexican. I speak Spanish. Many people have asked, how do you say in Mexican, this word? And I'm like, well, I know that the Mexicans would say it this way, but actually you ask, how do you say this in Spanish? Uh, then uh, I, I wrote here that I don't like spicy hot food because not all Latinos like spicy food. Even the Mexicans, not all of them like the spicy food. I have a very close friend here that she's a Mexican, very well, like very Mexican. But she doesn't like spicy food at all. So that is something, I guess, like I needed to share so that we all ask and don't assume or take assumptions of what we think it's the norm for all
0: these people. And I'll just add to that. I actually kind of got in trouble for that one when I, after first meeting her because I kind of assumed, oh, okay, so you like food spicy. And I gave her something that was spicy, and she was like, this is terrible. Why did you give this to me? Yes. Brenda? Yes? Is it?
2: you don't like the flavor, or your mouth
3: doesn't handle it? I guess it's just me, because in my family, all of my, the members of my family, they love a spicy food. The thing or the difference is like we never prepare the food spicy. What we do is we serve the sauces or the spicy uh, salsa separate from the food, and you just add the heat that you want to your food, so. Mm-hmm. Is that your family or is that a whole family? It's in the whole country, at least okay. in Guatemala, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Sure. So, in the United States, they,
1: we refer to people as Latino. In Guatemala, how do
3: you, is there a special way to refer to people from the States? Well, in that case, I guess you know it. <laughs> 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 I'm just to repeat it. How American people are known in all the countries uh-huh. is, you're the green okay.
0: green and yeah. that And that's in reference <laughs> to the green uniforms that our military wears? Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, it's yeah. like the uh, when we had the army forces in Guatemala or in Central America, it was just to say like the green go because that is how the term came up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and that and that is that is actually
0: how her sister refers to me as the gringo. <laughs> yes.
3: Well, you are
2: from a
0: military. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, her sister would say, "So you're going to go with the gringo." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and just for you to
3: know, <laughs> it's like each country has a, a term to refer to their own people. Like in Guatemala, mm-hmm. the official term is Guatemalan. Right. The term that we will use as the Guatemalans is Chapin. So I am a Chapina. And le, let's say in uh, Costa Rica, you call them Ticos, or the Nicaraguans, they are Nicas, or each group has their own like nickname. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool.
0: Yes. Yes. So and, that's kind of why it's an. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Is gringo considered
3: derogatory? It depends of the familia, familiar <laughs>
0: familiarity. Familiarity.
3: You used to say it like if you're like really a mean person and you're really saying it with hate, of course it's gonna be a very derogatory. Basically, any word can be used in a good
0: or a bad way. In that <laughs> yes, it even works that way in some of their uh, in some of their language words. Like some some words are considered cuss words. Some words are considered uh, and the same word might be a term of endearment, depending on the context and the tone that you use it in. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, we don't want to do <laughs> I know, I'm not going to repeat <laughs> <laughs> it. So, Tony, is your special Special <Yes>. <laughs> see <you.
3: laughs> Somehow, yes. <laughs> well, just to have some general data, uh, I was learning uh, how many Hispanics and Latinos we have in Colorado, and uh, the overall population here is 20% in the state. And in this city, in Colorado Springs, we have 17% of Hispanic or Latino population. And we can see that the majority of them are Mexicans. So you can actually uh, ask if the person that you're interacting with is a Mexican or if it's from another country in Latin America. When I, I read other, it's because there must be people that come from Spain that identify themselves as Hispanics, not Latinos, and um, also people that are descendants from uh, either Hispanics or Latinos, uh, but they don't really identify themselves from a specific country because they were born here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there a test after all this? No, this is just for us to this is learn just, something yeah. new if we didn't know this before. It's just sharing. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was just wondering if you call them something other
1: than, let's say, Latino. And you say Mexican. Mexican yeah. is, are they
3: going to be offended? It's like depending the context because you know when someone is really saying like, oh, you're Mexican. Oh, just wow. referring like derogatory. Like when we were saying like, is it is it a derogatory term or not? If you know that someone like really can tell the difference and they just yeah of assumption, you will say, like, well, I'm actually not a Mexican. Sometimes, because I know that it is coming from out of a not knowing that I'm not a Mexican, and they say, like, oh, so, do you know what Mexicans eat? I said, well, I know what they eat, but I don't really, like, because I am not, like, feeling, like, should I educate person now, or, because it's kind of, like, that respectful thing, like, I should not be I don't know you tell me if you would <laughs> like me to say <laughs> anything in relation if i ever heard anything like that
0: and then you, also keep in mind too it's not it, it, it's like if you have somebody from guatemala and you, you know say that they're mexican that it's kind of like i'm not a mexican i'm actually from guatemala this is different it's a different culture different customs even the language is a little bit different so it's not a good thing to kind of general generalize all Latinos as being Mexican, and you can actually—I mean, some people do take offense to that. They're like, "No, I'm from Costa Rica. I'm not Mexican."
3: Oh, for example, Argentinians—they are very proud of a uh, their origins. So you better don't call them anything but. But sure that you call them that they are Argentinians. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but why, uh,
1: uh, one more question. Yeah. Because I'm German. But I'm an American also, mm-hmm. so I'm proud of my German heritage. But if somebody says, oh, you're from America, I don't get offended. I just kind of go, I am from America, but I was born in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I just trying to figure out where the, the red line is.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm talking mainly from my own experience, that I am a Guatemalan, born in Guatemala. lived there my, most of my time. And I'm talking about what happens when you're living in those countries. And it's mainly a, like a rivalry among like the soccer or like when we are talking about sports or we're having something that we're gonna like, don't call me Tico because we are rivals in soccer. So we don't want like it's not like it's gonna be like a real offense, like you're gonna kill me with my feelings and emotions because you call me something else. It's just like we want our identity to be respected and recognized, it's more like that part. Mm-hmm. And especially for people that are first generation in this country, that is more important.
2: Uh-huh. A better analogy might be if someone said to you, Oh, your police are so silly with their red coats and funny white brim hats. It's like,
0: well that's Canadian. I'm not Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> or or I'm guessing like what what would be like how would you respond if somebody said that you were an Austrian instead of a German?
3: good to know so we're going to continue moving here in the content and um, I don't know if you have heard about that Gallup survey about what are the countries that are the happiest countries in the world and um, I have the list of the most recent one here and if you can see underlined are all Latin American countries so these are the top uh, eleven uh, countries that are the happiest countries in the world, and yeah, uh, they were saying that the results of the survey is because they focus on life's positives, and that's why the people call themselves like they are happy. And so, I received a call from Eddie when he was preparing one of his sermons and uh, for one of the series he was just recently making, and he said, "Brenda, please help me understand." You. You are my first reference for Guatemala because you are from there. You have lived there, and I'm reading that Guatemala is one of the most um, of the happiest countries in the world. But I can't understand why your people is migrating here. <laughs> Help me understand. And I would say, in my case, I came here for love. That was the only reason because I was always saying like I'm never gonna get married to a foreign person, I'm never gonna leave my country. I was the never lady. So never I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what plans God has for me and I ended <laughs> marrying to a foreign person and moving to a foreign country <laughs> and making my life with my family here. But I understand for some others this is not the reality. I was able to work uh, for several years with an organization that works with the poorest of the poor in my country, at least my country and some of the Latin American countries. And I was able to contact or be in contact with many people living in extreme poverty. And listening to them or getting to know their realities helped me understand why they decide to take the risk of even dying we have here an illustration of the uh, results of both children that died trying to get into American soil. Uh, one is the Syrian boy, Ailan Kirby, that died in 2015. And the most recent one, Valeria Martinez, coming from El Salvador in June this month. Is, that is the most recent case. And um, it's hard to understand that people will put themselves or their children into that kind of risk. But they are coming out of uh, fear. They are coming out, not for the American dream, as like becoming millionaires, or having big homes, or they are going to become act- actresses and actors. They are coming here for a dream. The dream of providing shelter, food, health, education, and a future for the children. And it is hard. And you will say like, why they don't do it legally? Why they don't go To the embassy where they don't go and fill out all the paperwork, but I'm gonna share what my experience coming here legally uh, represented. So you can skip that
2: one. Skip that one, right.
3: Okay. So my immigration process. uh, I was uh, I was able to receive a tourist visa. That's how I was coming to America in several locations Mm -hmm. as a a tourist, and also uh, coming to. been several meetings here at the organization I was working for where I met this guy here. <laughs> 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 and so I would clearly could just say, like, oh, I'm going to get married to an American. I'm just going to use my visa, my tourist visa, go there and change my legal status there. But we did some research and found out that there is a visa for fiancés. Fiancé visa, VNZ. K-1. So that was like, okay, if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right. So I had to give up uh, my tourist visa and request this fiancé. So in our case, if you wonder, we needed God's blessing, our parents' blessing, and the United States of America blessing for it, or in order for us to get married here. So <laughs> this process was really lengthy, expensive, and I'm gonna show you the paperwork we needed to collect oh, okay. for us to prove that I could come to the United States uh, <laughs> and get married to my husband. Yeah. <laughs> my husband. <laughs> so this process, is okay, to start, it is expensive. And because we kind of wanted to, uh, we set a date for our ceremony. We actually hired an immigration lawyer to speed up the process. Even though when we paid our lawyer, paid the process fee, it took us about eight months without knowing anything from the uh, embassy or the Homeland Security Department, uh, what was going to happen uh, with the process, or if they were going to approve me to come here to get married.
0: We didn't get the okay from the U.S. government until about 30 days before our wedding date. When we set our wedding date, we set it based on faith. We said that we believe that God will bless us, and we just put a date on a calendar. It was a date that meant something to us, but we thought God is going to bless us through that. So imagine having a venue set up, having all your your um, uh, invitations sent out, having family flying all from every time zone in the, in the uh, country to come to your wedding, and you won't know for sure if she can come into the country until a month before the wedding. I will say that that Eight-month process. I did a lot of praying and I did a lot of sweating.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just for you to know, what is this? Like, I needed to prove that uh, my uh, background, uh, my general background. I had to present my finances uh, reports like on my taxes returns. Locally, he needed to present his taxes returns here. He needed to prove that he was financially. In a position that he could sponsor me once I was moving to the country. Uh, we also had to ask some people that knew about our relationship uh, to write letters as witnesses of that. Uh, they, we also had to collect photos, like uh, tickets from the flights that me coming here or he going there. Uh, I also had to go to the doctor and have several evaluations, medical evaluations. I received extra immunizations that I already had gotten when I was a child. They made me take them away. I, again, sorry. Um, I also had to go like x-rays and all these kind of checkups and things like that to come here. And thankfully, we were blessed. And we got the approval one month before our wedding day.
0: So... And... You know, and I say this because it's—it was actually I was kind of laughing about it because I was like, you know, we went through all this to get married. Every guy should have to sign documentation showing that he can financially support a wife. That's right. And I was like, this should be a blueprint of what I'm going to ask of the husband of Carol Ann when she gets older. But really, I mean, and it's somewhere in this documentation and I even laugh about it with Brenda was a document that I had to sign that said, "If you leave your wife on the side of the road, the federal government will send her back home and then we will come after your assets because you didn't take care of her." But I'm covered by the United Yes, <laughs> by the United States. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, and hopefully this is not a complaint. I mean, this is part of our story, and this is something that I am proud of that is part of our story. And it's just something that I hope that everyone can understand, that emigrating to the United States from Latin America is not easy. It is hard. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of courage. It took a lot of help from your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Did you want to share? Oh, sorry.
3: Yeah, and in that, with that thought in mind, it's like, imagine now people living in extreme poverty. They barely have to provide for their children that same day, and they still have to re- collect some resources in order to be able to try to cross the border. And they are like having some gang members threatening them, like they're going to take their children to make to become members of the gang, or that they're going to rape their girls or their wives. And so, what they are going to do? Like I know. And I know, and we all know, like here in our minds, we know that this is not correct. But it's kind of like trying to understand, I'm not saying like approve it. I'm just saying, let's understand where these people come from. And they don't have the monies to reach a lawyer, they don't have the monies to even pay the fee to request a visa. And even if you are a Guatemalan citizen or anywhere in the world, and you need to request a visa, you have to pay more than $100 to go and request an appointment at the embassy. Collect all these kind of documents to prove that you don't want to come and live here. You just want to <coughs> come and visit. And even though you pay and you prove all or present all these proofs, the embassy will say, say no. We don't allow you to go. So you spend your money, you spend your time, you spend all these resources to say no. And some people just want to come here to visit relatives or just to have fun uh, visiting the parks or somewhere nice here in the States and these people uh, are just like being challenged uh, to just try to give some hope for the children for their families and so just for you to know like my story didn't end there like once I was here I got married I had my honeymoon and enjoyed this part of the beginning of the marriage I still needed to work with the immigration and the Homeland Security.
0: Department of
3: Homeland Homeland Security. And I still needed to collect other evidence to prove that I didn't marry him just for convenience. I had to collect other witnesses that came to our wedding, have photos of our wedding ceremony, and send a license, marriage license, and all these things, and taxes, returns, and I don't know what other documents more. Uh, actually, I had to take another evaluation, medical examination here to continue and proving that I could change my legal status here to become a resident. That required more money because that was a different process, so we need to pay that fee again.
0: And so, this process was after she got here uh, on her fiance visa. Her fiance visa was valid for 90 days, so we had 90 days to get her married off. <laughs> to conduct a wedding. But after that, there was an entire, what she was describing, there's an entirely different process to get what's called a green card resident status, which means that you can legally live and work here. So for about close to a year, was it, after we were married, she didn't have a green card. So she would, and I didn't, and at the time, I didn't understand how this was affecting her. Because for me, after the wedding and the honeymoon was over, I went back to work, and my life continued. For Brenda, it was different. She couldn't drive because she didn't have a driver's license. Well, she did, but she had her Guatemalan driver's license. But we were all very, we were both very leery about what happens if you get pulled over by a police officer. Are they going to accept this, or do you need a U.S. driver's license? She
3: no, in that sense, like my license was valid only for ninety days here too, because I was living here as a resident. The of becoming a
0: resident. Mm-hmm. And so she couldn't work, she couldn't really drive. She spent the better part of a year in our 1100 square foot condo, in there by herself most of the time because I was at work. And she would tell me, Brenda would tell me, um, I feel like I'm here, but I'm not really here. And so just imagine if you will, we did this the legal way. There are many more that are doing this illegally didn't really have much of a choice, that are practically living in the shadows. We can't drive, we can't get a legal job, I can't go to the hospital if I get sick. In that same time period, because um, she had, um, of course, her family back in Guatemala, we understood that if something happened and she needed to get back to Guatemala, she couldn't return to the United States. So we were, and at the time, your father's health was kind of iffy, and we were just praying, like, we hope that nothing happens to him, to where she has to go back. Her brother, her younger brother, um, I love this guy. Her younger brother helped, who helped me find her uh, wedding ring for her, he was actually in the process of proposing and getting married to his uh, girlfriend. He delayed his wedding so that she could get her paperwork done, so that she could travel down there to be a part of her, his wedding and then come back home to the United States.
3: Yes, and so during that wait, yeah, I I couldn't really like get involved in many things. I wanted to work, although I had to kind of like convince myself that I was in a very temporary vacation time (laughs) or an unknown vacation time. Uh, But it was, I guess, part of also learning that was teaching me patience, I would say. (laughs) because I am a very active person and I was like really like struggling a little bit there, but I managed and I am here for five years and a half now. And I just want to share with you that I'm still a resident. I am a, not a citizen yet. And um, in that sense, like I don't know if you have heard stories, not only for undocumented people, but also some residents that have been, like, treated like they have no right to be in this country. So much that this last trip that I have back to Guatemala with my family, I actually begged him (laughs) to come back with me. Like, he wouldn't come, because what we usually did is, like, I was going down there, coming back with Carolyn, and we were okay. And he will just join us there either, like, After we go, he will travel with us, and if he needs to come back before we did, he will just come back home and we will stay there. Mm -hmm. This time, I told him, like, please, come back with us, because I don't even want to put or leave any risk of people telling me, you cannot come in the country, and you need to go back.
0: Or being separated from Carol Ann, who our daughter is a U.S. citizen at the border. Questions.
1: How do you journey it with unknowns like
0: that? What's that? How do you get a journey to last the last thing unknown? How do I get a journey to that? When when you don't
1: know what how the unexpected future.
0: Oh, how do we deal with what's unknown? Yeah. <laughs> we pray and we sweat. <laughs> That's what I do.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, okay
1: um please don't take this wrong, but how, what do you tell the people that are going through the legal process and it takes them years? I've heard stories for four or five years, mm-hmm. and they do it legally, and um, I mean, I had a green card for 11 years mm-hmm. because I didn't become a citizen. And then finally, I wanted to go back to Germany and I became a citizen. Mm -hmm. I would have been anyway, but there's circumstances. But I mean, I feel sorry for the people that really do want to do it legally Mm -hmm. and they get pushed aside, pushed aside. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the United States, I heard a statistic that they allow a million legal immigrants into this country every year. Mm And I mean, I understand that people that are poor and down in Guatemala or Ecuador or Mm -hmm. any of those countries, um, especially Venezuela right now, Mm -hmm. they're having no problems, but a lot of it is because of the government. Mm -hmm. They created the problem, and they won't let— United States even help them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do you tell people like that? It's, I mean, we just can't keep taking more and more people in
3: because eventually we're going to run out of money taking care of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say, I work locally for a company or an agency that works with poor people here in the United States. Part of that group these people that are undocumented here in the city. And I'm learning their stories, and it was shocking to me because that is the idea that we all have, that these people that are undocumented here, when they see that there is welfare available, that they are just taking it. These people are not. The social workers, they know that the benefits are available, (coughs) even for them, that are undocumented. And they are like, take this benefit. And they are like, no, give it to someone that really needs it. They are dying, like they are sick. They are not having food for their children because they are not making enough money. But they are still saying, thank you. This is something I don't deserve. And that is something, and I am saying this because I'm working with them. And uh, I understand also that there are a few that are not that, like, conscious of what they are doing. There are some that are not, like, really (coughs) helping in their life so they are committing some acts of crime or doing something that is not correct, but these people are not coming here to just uh, take from the United States. Mm-hmm. They are working hard. They are working two jobs a day. They are finding ways, like see how their children are being taken care of, even for, they are not involved in the school because they are afraid that ICE is going to come and just have one of those
0: Raid, yeah, a raid.
3: Uh-huh, and send them back and separate them from their families. I have the case, there's a case of a lady. She needs to take an ultrasound or make like an ultrasound exam in order to find out if she has cancer or not. She doesn't have the resources to do it. Even though the uh, social worker is trying to find ways and finding ways to help her, she's like, that is something I really don't need. And she knows that she could be, like, dying and leaving her children, but she's, like, I don't really want to take this benefit because it's not something that I like legally uh, deserve. Like that, they are conscious that they don't really have to receive, or even when it is below Because the people that is giving it to her is like, yes, we're giving it to her. But she's like, not able. So it's kind of difficult. I myself have cousins that they have they have been waiting for. About eight years now, and they have been told that they need to wait for another seven or eight years to have their uh, approval for the residence. And what they do, like they do their best, like they just work, they present their taxes the best they could, because they also know the responsibilities that they have by earning money here. That means that they have to pay their taxes to where they need to be paying them. So. Yes, even though they're undocumented, they're presenting taxes returns, so they're not just like living, living off the of system, welfare, or just like not being responsible to what the authorities are saying to do. Okay. Yes. We could say
1: that about people living in America that they're abusing the system. Mm-hmm. Yes. Probably even
2: worse.
0: <laughs> which, which is why it's wrong to generalize and say that these people are just living off the system we have a lot of different people that are living off the system but we also have a lot of very good people that are doing good things and even some of those people that are undocumented are doing very good things that are contributing to society but because of the situation unfortunately they have to live as members of the society in the shadows so being in construction i
2: see a lot of guys from south of the border. Yeah, they, you don't connect them and laziness mm-hmm. together. They are hard workers, mm-hmm. uh, and you uh, have uh,
0: <laughs> a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and I did. I don't know what to think about this story. But I'm gonna get this fast as I can. Um, <clears throat> but I met a guy who his middle name is my first name, and he's from Mexico City, and he pronounced it Um But his buddies. Called him Bucho for short. We became good friends about four years ago. He's a Mason. Um, did I say he was born in Mexico City? Okay, I was wrong. Sorry. Um, his mom was, and so that's where he considers he's from because that's his—that's where his family lives and his mom. Um, she came across and gave birth to him, and he grew up in La Junta, but she never got his citizenship in the United States or in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't belong either place. Two years ago, well, he got married, has four kids, but two years ago he got picked up by the immigration after he dropped his kids off at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's still in Mexico because he was not here Mm legal.
3: Even though he was born here?
2: But she never got his citizenship. She didn't, his mom didn't follow through with the paperwork that she needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, poor guy. He
1: not
2: and Mexico doesn't want him either because they say you're not Mexican.
0: <laughs> a Mexican is- yeah. citizen. <laughs> yeah, so he's a man with no country. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I would also say on top of that, it's you know, I know that this is a very hot political issue. But um, as part, I know that you're going to get into your part, your call to action, but as part of the call to action, I would challenge you think about this as a people issue. You know, that there are people behind this issue, that there are people living behind the shadows, that there are people that are coming to America for love, for coming to America for hope and opportunity. And as members of the church, how can we help be an ally to all members of our? of our of our world
3: okay is there any other comment questions no? well i just want to share with you like if you would like to get connected with the latinos you, you know like baruth mentioned that uh, working with them is so much fun it it's like we are well, some of the most like the happiest countries in the world So yeah, we like to be with people, we like to have relationships, we like to interact and just have fun, get to know you, Uh, like if you just go to a place, like we are very known, like we just go unannounced everywhere, but it is because we are welcoming everyone, like if you ever want like just having a chat with someone, you're more than welcome to come visit me, I will just make sure that you have tea, coffee or at least water and (laughs) We will figure out what we have there to share, but that is the way that uh, Latinos or Hispanics are. Uh, like, you will know when there is a group of Latinos, because either they are playing music or they are just laughing out loud or they are being noisy. I don't know. Yeah, we're noisy, <coughs> but it's because we're living in community. So our call to action this week is like, just take the time to smile to someone. That is how you really start a connection, an interaction with someone. Just smile, and Latinos will smile at you back. Like I had this experience. We were going down to, I don't remember where at, but on the road we stopped at a rest area, and I was just walking with Carolyn, running to the bathroom, and suddenly someone said, "Good afternoon," and for me that was like, "That must be a Latino." That must a Latino, <laughs> because really we even we always say, "Good afternoon," "Good morning," "How are you?" Like even if you don't know anyone. So that has been, from my experience, some of the hardest things, like I'm smiling everywhere and I said, good morning, it's like, and then I just hear back, and we have this joke, the crickets, because I don't receive a smile back, I don't receive, maybe, most of the time. Uh, I don't receive like a good morning back or anything. So, like, I'm encouraging you, like, to try, go around random people say hi or just smile and you will receive that smile back and also like we should be thinking like we are the state in the state we have 20% of Hispanics or Latinos in the state. In this city we have 17%. How many of them we have in this congregation? And I was reading, it was interesting to read that many congregations, they don't really want to approach Latinos because they are wondering, how they are going to understand what we're preaching? Well, they're fluent in English. And if they are not, they still understand it even though they don't speak it. So we can still bring them to church, bring them to Jesus. So don't feel afraid of saying, you can come to my church or you can come to our meetings like our live groups. and that's how you can include them and we can start having a representation of the population here in our congregation. Mm-hmm.
1: We, we need to two you know, <laughs> Because that's what those people need, they're happy, they're smiling. Linda, that's a great place. And there are, a, it's a very diverse. Yeah.
3: I work with some of the families that go there through my agents. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. I think it's important for us to remember, too, that Latin American com- uh, countries, the people, most of them believe in Jehovah God. We go into Asia, it's not true. Mm-hmm. And even in lots of parts of Europe, they believe in Jehovah. Is not
1: true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The other thing I was going to ask Baruch, could we have a class on why are we so grumpy? <laughs> 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 okay, <many> yes. <laughs> yeah, one
1: thing that Joey uh, you and
2: know, I just chat about a little bit is that uh, we've been going to Mexico Cozumel, now for uh since twenty eleven, And one thing we always notice is everybody is also, always Buenos dias, Buenos tardes, Buenos noches. You know, it's good morning, good day, good night. It's it's considered rude not to say some sort of greeting, even if it's just hola And here you do that on the streets, and a little weird. And that's unfortunate. So so kind of back to Tom's thing, what what why is it that we are so grumpy?
1: I think it's,
0: we're so wrapped up in our own lives and so on, but uh, we could learn a little something from that. Being um, to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, right. Yeah. All right. Well, Baruch, will you mind closing in prayer as we're over time?
2: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Father, Heavenly, thank you very much for this day you have given us the time that we could be with our brothers and our sisters. Thank you especially for my good friend Tony and Brenda for the love that they have for you and for us and the words they've given us this morning. This week we will be your light to the world and we ask for your help. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister
3: for the Eastside Church of Christ. sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always,
2: we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every
1: Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.